TSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1 827 5276. Again, that's 1 888 Ask CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Well, hello and welcome to today's edition of To Every Man and Answer. I am not Mike Kessler. Sorry uh, to surprise you that way. I am Scott Parker. I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Festus, Missouri, which is just south of St. Louis. And I am so excited to be your host for today here on To Every Man and Answer as we answer your questions on the Bible, the Christian faith, and current events. And so if you have a question we want to in uh, um, invite you and uh, encourage you to give us a call uh, at triple eight eight two seven five two seven six. That's eighty eight eighty eight. Ask CSN if you have a question today. I do have a host coming on uh, in a few moments, and uh, but until then, it's just uh, myself. But uh, again, I'm happy to be with you here again. I'm Scott Parker, the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Festus, Missouri, and uh, also I am the um, Bible teacher on a word for the church radio broadcast. That is literally sermons from our church and teachings from our church that we do here at Calvary Chapel Festus. And uh, we have a radio program made of those. And you can hear us here on CSN uh, every Saturday morning. That's at 10 a.m. Central Time and then 6 p.m. On Sunday evenings, and that's Central Time, so you can do the math for wherever you're at. And we'd love to have you tune in to our radio program and to uh, get some uh, Bible teaching uh, from here at uh, the pulpit at Calvary Chapel in Festus. So uh, anyway, again, it's great to be with you. I want to encourage you. We have a, we have a few lines open. If you want to give us a call, again, let me give you that number. It's eighty eight eighty eight. Ask CSN. And that translates out to 88, or I'm sorry, 888 And so um, we are still waiting uh, for the calls to be uh, completely calculated out and uh, ready to go. We do have a few lines open, but we do have some folks uh, that are waiting. We will get with them in just a moment. And uh, until then, um, let me remind everyone uh, who's listening and watching by way of Facebook, uh, I want to encourage you to continue uh, to pray for the situation that our world is in right now, uh, and especially for the nation of Israel. I want to continue to, uh, I want to encourage you to continue uh, to pray for the Jewish people and to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and that God would protect the nation of Israel. Uh, and along with that, we also want to pray uh, for the Arab people as well, uh, that God would touch their hearts and open their eyes. And uh, my prayer through this whole thing has been for the Lord to protect the nation of Israel and to bring peace to Jerusalem, as the Bible tells us. But also, um, we um, uh, have been praying uh, that the Lord would uh, touch uh, the hearts of both the Israelis uh, and the Arabs in the sense of revealing Jesus as the Messiah uh, to them. And so um, that's what we've been praying. 
And I would like to encourage everyone uh, to, to pray that prayer um, that through this uh, situation that's going on over there, um, that they would look more and more uh, upward instead of uh, outward and at each other, uh, that they would uh, look to the Lord at this time. So um, I think we've do we have uh, some calls ready? I think. Are we ready to go? Uh, how about how about Jeff in Lamar, Colorado? Is he ready to go? Hi, I have uh, a prayer request, and I also have a question. Uh, my prayer okay. request is that uh, November first is All Saints Day, and I would like everybody to uh, 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 read the book of Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel during that day, and either and and maybe even fast, and maybe even fast, and uh, pray for our country because our uh, government is a rebellious house. They monitor us. We want to be a uh, sign like uh, in uh, Ezekiel 12. Uh, and since we're the epistle, of, we're of Christ epistles, it all would make sense to do that. And I was want to ask everybody mm-hmm. to do that. Gotcha. Okay. Well, we can definitely we can definitely do that. And and Jeff, did you have a question? Uh, with the things going on in Israel, do you think that this is the beginning of the Psalms 83 war? You know, it's really debated when it comes to Psalm 83, whether that's actually a war that's going to take place in the future or if it's actually a prayer. Um, you know, when you, when we look at these things in scripture, it's, it's definitely, um, the, the precursor, I believe, to definitely what we see in Ezekiel 38 and 39, uh, because of the particular people that are involved and those that are behind, uh, Hamas and Hezbollah and all of them. Um, as, so as far as it comes to Psalm 83, um, I, I, I would not say it definitely is, uh, because there, again, there is some debate about whether Psalm 83 is, is speaking of a particular future war that's going to happen or it's actually, uh, a prayer. And so, uh, with that, I would be careful. Um, and I would also be careful of saying, hey, this is Ezekiel 38 and 39. Uh, the only reason I say that, again, is because of who was involved. You know, you have Iran backing uh, Hamas and uh, you have, you know, Russia uh, who is backing Iran and you have the situation there um, with uh, with with Hamas and especially, you know, on Friday the 13th when they called for that world jihad and all the protesting going on. And you could see all over the world, uh, you know, all the things that begin to happen as far as uh, all the people in support of all of that, uh, at least the media wants to make it look like that. Um, but, you know, here in America, we've allowed uh, so many of these terrorists and uh, and these people from the Middle East into our country. And so, you know, um, there's a lot that could happen very, very quick uh, all over the world, but especially there in the Middle East, um, you know, that particular situation could, as I've always said, it could turn on a dime. We could uh, see the the setup, at least for Ezekiel 38 and 39. Um, but, you know, my my particular view is that that will happen after the rapture. Um, but again, the thing that I've been telling people is if that is going to happen after the rapture, and everything that we see, we're seeing happening right now, 
um, really tells us the rapture's close. So we need to be ready. And so, uh, Jeff, hey, let's, uh, let's go ahead and pray real quick. And uh, for your prayer requests, what you're asking for. So, Jeff, if you would be joining me in prayer, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, our whole world is in desperate prayer. Just as I said at the beginning of the program, uh, we need to be praying, uh, Lord, for Israel. We need to be praying for the Arab people that you would touch their hearts. And and, and Lord, there's only going to be the only peace that there is, is when the Prince of Peace, Jesus, rules and reigns. And uh, we know that's going to be coming in the future. But Lord, the only peace that's on the earth now is is when he rules and reigns in our hearts. And so, Father, we pray that uh, for Israel. We pray it for the Middle East, but we also pray it for here in America. Father, we have gone so astray uh, from you. We have turned from our foundation that this country was built upon, and now we have, uh, we have, we've sown the wind, and now we're reaping the whirlwind. And Father, we pray, Lord, that uh, you would uh, turn the heart of our nation back to you, Father, that we would be true watchmen, uh, Lord, uh, looking and waiting for you and warning people. Uh, of what's coming ahead and uh, of your coming particular. So, Father, we just pray and we ask you to turn our nation around. In Jesus' name, amen. Jeff, thanks so much for the call and uh, for the prayer request and for the question. We hope that helps you out. If you would hold on, the folks at CSN there have uh, some things they want to give to you and uh, bless you with. And so let's go ahead now and go to my friend Jennifer uh, Jennifer is uh, here in Festus, and so Jennifer, welcome to the program. Oh, hello, how are you guys all doing? I know you're doing great because we got Jesus. Um, <laughs> the question I have for you is that uh-huh. I was listening to CNN, to, not CNN, but I was listening to the broadcast on this radio station. I heard a pastor say, "We have to be ready for." Well, I am ready for Jesus, everything, and so mm-hmm. he says, "You got to be ready like you're going to a wedding." Now, does that? Go back to where women go back to wearing long dresses and letting their hair grow out, no makeup. And there's going to be another question on top of this question. So this is question number one. And then question number two is, what does the church of God believe in? I just just didn't understand it because I have a friend that goes to one and, you know, and I did not know where that um, sits at, you know, is that. Mm-hmm. Is that an off branch from the Mormon Church, or you know, I just didn't know. But those the are my church two of... questions I have. Okay, Jennifer. Well, thank you for the call, and thanks for the questions. And let's go ahead and do this. Let's answer the second question first concerning the Church of God. Now, Jennifer, let me ask you this: Do you know for sure if the church that she goes to, do you know if it's Pentecostal or not? I don't know. I just know that she goes to a Church of God, and they're really strict. I mean, okay. Okay. Well, here, here in the United States, um, there are different churches. There's different denominations that use the name Church of God. Um, and the reason I ask that is because there's one denomination. Uh, and if I have my history right, I think they were an offshoot of the Assembly of God early in the last century. Um, but there is a church of God that is based out of their denomination is based out of Cleveland, Tennessee. They're a they're a Pentecostal denomination. Um, as far as I know, um, most of their churches, uh, you know, are called, you know, Church of God. Um, maybe have the city name in their name or have some other attachment to their name. But um, th- those churches uh, are just Pentecostal in nature. They're they're mostly Orthodox in their beliefs. 
Um, you know, they believe in uh, all of the orthodox uh, teachings uh, of the historical church and that are in the Bible. Um, and they are Pentecostal in the traditional sense um, that what they believe is that um, you know, every Christian should be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and when they do, the evidence of that is speaking in tongues, is is uh, manifesting that spiritual gift of speaking in tongues, and that's a sign uh, that they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and really, uh, everything that I know um, from the Church of God, it's 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 a you know an Orthodox church, which means it doesn't have aberrant teaching or anything like that. Um, not that maybe some of their churches, uh, like you said, may be a little more stricter than others. Um, and always when you're talking about, uh, Pentecostal churches or charismatic churches, um, you know, those churches could go either way. Uh, there's a lot of per- uh, Pentecostal churches or charismatic churches, um, that what they do is, uh, they, um, a lot of them stay very mainstream, stay very solid, uh, and orthodox. And then some of them go a little fringe. Some of them go a little far uh, into some teachings that are not biblical uh, as far as the gifts of the Spirit and and manifestations of the Spirit and things like that. Um, But I I do know some of the churches of God churches, um, some of them uh, can uh, hold to a more uh, traditional view when it comes to, you know, the way women dress and, and, and the way that, uh, you know, women wear their hair and such like that. Uh, normally when you see that sort of thing, usually those are from folks in those churches from the older generations though. Um, so that's, that's one denomination of the church of God that I'm, that I'm familiar with. There is another denomination of the church of God. Um, that is based out of Anderson, Indiana, and it is called the Church of God, and their churches are, again, uh, have that same label. Um, but what's interesting is um, the uh, churches of God based out of Indiana uh, are not Pentecostal. Uh, from what I do know, I have visited a few of them in my years of being a Christian, um, and from what I know, they are uh, orthodox in their beliefs as far as uh, you know, what the Bible has to say about salvation and, and all of that. Uh, but they're not Pentecostal. I do know that, uh, they put the focus more on, uh, the fruit of the spirit is love, um, and not manifestations of the spirit and things like that. Um, so, um, and when it comes to the Church of God in Anderson, Indiana, by the way, I do know, for instance, if you've ever heard of the Gaithers, uh, they were, their famous gospel musicians have been for a lot of years, for decades. They have a very reputable name in gospel music. Um, they are from that, that denomination, that church. Um, so anyway, that's, uh, what I know about the churches of God. Um, it sounds like your friend may be, if I were to guess, unless she's involved in some other church. Um, that uses that name that I'm not familiar with. Um, as far as what you were asking, Jennifer, uh, as far as, um, what we wear, um, and how a woman has to dress and such as the bride of Christ, that has nothing to do, uh, with what you wear here on earth. What it has to do with is what you're going to wear in heaven. Okay. Now, when we're talking about being the bride of Christ and we're talking about uh, dressing correctly. What we're talking about is we're talking about 
uh, we're talking about spiritually. Uh, the Bible speaks of us being devoted to Jesus as our bridegroom. Uh, Paul spoke of this to the Corinthians, and he said uh, for us to not be led astray um, and and uh, for us to 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 give our devotion and uh, in simplicity to our Lord Jesus Christ. So what it means in the scriptures in the New Testament uh, to be uh, dressed and, you know, uh, well prepared uh, as the bride of Christ, it literally means to be faithful to Jesus, to live a life that's faithful to Jesus, just the way a husband, a way a wife uh, would live her life in faithfulness to her husband. Um, so in the, in the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament specifically, um, God looked at idol worship and anytime the Israelites worshiped idols, God looked at that as spiritual adultery, uh, like they were cheating on him because in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah, uh, wrote and the Lord spoke through him and said to Israel that I am your husband and Israel is the wife of God. And so every time she, uh, turned away from the Lord and turned to idols and, and, and didn't walk with the Lord, but rather walk the way of the pagans, uh, what would happen there is, um, is he would look at that as they were commit, they were being unfaithful, committing spiritual adultery. Now, if you want to know what we're going to be dressed like, when it comes to uh, our marriage to Jesus, you can read Revelation chapter 19. And in Revelation chapter 19, it actually talks about the church believers uh, when we're at the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven right before the second coming, before we return to the earth with Jesus. It actually says this uh, in verse 7. This is Revelation 19 verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his wife, that would be the church, has made herself ready. And to her, it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteousness, or some versions say the righteous acts of the saints. And so what we're dressed in, um, there is fine linen is what it speaks of, but it's, it's, it's the righteousness, um, that we receive in exchange for our faith in Christ, righteousness before God, being right before God is a gift that he gives to us uh, because of our faith in what Jesus did for us. And because of that right standing we have with God through the Holy Spirit now, he sanctifies us and he makes us holy. And so then we end up living right lives and living righteous lives in the sense of doing righteous things. And so uh it's, again, it Great. And so what we have here is, uh, in Revelation 19 is we have, um, the, uh, the idea that the church again is with Jesus at the marriage supper and, and she has been faithful to him here on earth. So therefore, uh, she's going to be with him there in heaven dressed in, in white. So Jennifer has nothing to do there. Okay. It has nothing to do at all with how you dress here and now. Now, if you want to know how a woman should dress, uh, Paul brought that up uh, to Timothy and said that a Christian woman should dress modestly. She should uh, dress in such a way uh, not to draw attention to herself, uh, you know, uh, but should dress in a way that glorifies God and, and, draw, and dresses modestly. Uh, but that doesn't really have anything to do 
per se, um, you know, with being the bride of Christ. It's not now that you're a Christian, you're the bride of Christ. You must uh, dress uh, a certain way in that sense. So, Jennifer, does that help you? Sounds great. I thank you. I'll see you Wednesday night. Thank you. You, you got it. God bless. You, you too. Thanks you. for okay. thanks for calling. All right. Well, hey, we have our guest on with us here, uh, Doctor George uh, Coach. I think, or I, I, I he can straighten uh, me Coke, out. Like Coca Cola, like Coca Cola. All right. So Coke without go. the the yeah without the ola on the end. <laughs> so anyway, he's from the New Jerusalem House of Prayer in Illinois. So not too far from me here in St. Louis. So. Uh, anyhow, uh, Dr. George, it's great to have you on the on the program with us today. Well, I'm grateful to be able to do it. Thank you. You got it. All right. Well, let's go ahead and go back to the phones. And uh, but well, before we do, uh, Dr. George, is there anything that you would like to share um, about your ministry um, and such with our listeners, and th- that way they can know, uh, you know, how they could uh, find out more about what. Uh, you do there at, at uh, in Illinois? Sure. Yeah, a couple of things. One uh, is I'm the author of What We Believe and Why, um, the Christian faith from its Jewish roots to its future hope beyond denominational struggles and doctrinal war. Uh, and it's basically an overview of what it is that we believe and some of the varieties of that belief uh, that I explain to people who I think often we make assumptions about why Roman Catholics or Eastern Orthodox or Pentecostals or Reform or Presbyterian, other denominations other than the one we happen to be in, we make assumptions about what they believe and why they believe it. So at least a part of the book is devoted to explaining uh, that variety of beliefs so it's understood. That doesn't mean that I agree with it Mm -hmm. necessarily, but I want folks to not have a miscomprehension about the kinds of things that followers of Jesus uh, believe. So that's, that's that book. And then a brand new one just came out uh, called Healing Prayer, How to Do It and What to Avoid. And it's basically a training guide for individuals or congregations on how to pray for people for healing from uh, physical disease or injury or emotional or spiritual oppression and so on. And it's the product of many years of praying with people by uh, teams uh, of people. Those are the two most recent books. And then my congregation uh, called New Jerusalem House of Prayer uh, is actually a Messianic congregation. And Mm -hmm. that is that we have Jews and Gentiles who intentionally worship together and all of whom are followers of Jesus. Uh, And so it's an intentional one new man, if you would, neither Jew nor Greek. Um, That term Greek meant not Jew. Um, And so we have them join together 
and our leadership is both Jew and Gentile, uh, and we're very conscientious about reading the entire scripture from Genesis through Revelation uh, and paying attention to what is taught throughout all of the scriptures. And, and that's sort of what defines a Messianic congregation. We also teach Hebrew and sometimes a bit of Greek uh, to help illuminate what the original languages said uh, in their original form. That's a short version right there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, and, and what is your website, or if people wanted to get a hold of you or know more, sure. how can they find um, you on the web? There are two, website, two websites which will get you most everywhere. GeorgeCoke.com, G-E-O-R-G-E-K-O-C-H, GeorgeCoke.com. <laughs> That's got links to everything. And then the uh, congregation is NewJerusalem.net. And there's also what we believe in why.com, which is the first book, and that's available both in paperback but also in a free downloadable PDF and in audio. And that's all available on that what we believe in why.com website. Or just go to georgecoke.com and there are links to all of the rest of those there. Okay, great. Well, thanks, Dr. George, for joining us today. And uh, if you have a question on the Bible, the Christian faith, current events, a lot going on in the world right now, uh, give us a call here on To Every Man and Answer. That phone number is 8888-ASK-CSN. That's 888-827-5276. And I'm Scott Parker from Calvary Chapel in Festus, Missouri. And we have uh, Dr. George uh, Koch on the line with us uh, from the New Jerusalem House of Prayer uh, there in Illinois. Now, uh, Dr. Koch, what, what part of Illinois are you in? Um, we are in Carroll Stream, which is the town immediately north of Wheaton, Illinois. Uh, Wheaton, Wheaton okay. is where Wheaton College is, about 40 miles yeah. straight west of Chicago. Okay, great. Great. That gives me some... Uh, some idea about where you're at in the state there. So anyway, well, it's great to have you on. Hey, we've got less than a minute before the break. But let's go ahead and go to CJ. CJ is from Oregon, and uh, at least maybe we can get your question in before the break. CJ? Hello. God bless you guys. I just had uh, maybe some well, CJ, if you, if you would go ahead and hold it. We didn't make it just in time. So there's the music, and we're on. We're coming up on the break. So if you would, just hold on. We'll let you ask your question, and we'll give you an answer right after we come back from these messages. Let's see. If something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. 
Very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. Are you ready to study to show yourself approved? A workman not ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth? In this sad, lonely, and lost generation, people need help. They need Jesus. And who can present the gospel better than you? Calvary Chapel University wants to be a helper of your joy so you can go out and make disciples who make disciples. Go to calvarychapeluniversity.edu and apply today and you'll earn outstanding scholarships. Most of our CCU graduates graduate early or on time, debt-free and sound doctrinally. Go to calvarychapeluniversity.edu and apply today. Skip Heitzig is one of our faculty members, and David Guzik is not only a board member, but he just earned his Master of Divinity at CCU. Go to calvarychapeluniversity.edu and apply today and watch God move powerfully in your life. Welcome back to to Every Man and Answer here on this Monday, and this is now our second half. I'm Scott Parker, in for Mike Kessler today, and with me is Dr. George Koch from the New Jerusalem House of Prayer uh, around the Chicago area of Illinois. And so uh, right before the break, we had CJ from Oregon on the line about to answer his question, and CJ, we are so sorry that we had to cut you off there, but uh, welcome for to the program. Thanks for calling us, and uh, how can we help you? Sure, no problem, guys, and God bless you guys. Um, I was just curious. I'm going through a Bible study through the book of Isaiah with uh, Chuck Missler, and mm-hmm. um, I just we're, he's hitting on some really interesting topics that are really rev- relevant to what's going on in Israel right now mm-hmm. and that whole area. I was wondering if you guys could just kind of shed some more light on maybe the possibility of the destruction of Damascus and the rebuilding of Babylon. Okay. Well, I talked a moment ago um, quite a bit, so I'm going to go ahead and go to Dr. George. I'm going to let him kind of talk about this. He pastors a Messianic congregation there, so uh, I'm sure he will have some insights here uh, on these Old Testament passages. And so, uh, Dr. George, how can, how can you help CJ? Oh, boy. <laughs> um, interestingly, I just got back from Israel. Um, we left on Thursday morning, and the war started on Saturday morning. Mm. Uh, so we just missed the beginning of the conflict. And, of course, we have lots of friends and even relatives that live there. Um, one of the ministries I'm a part of, CMJ, it's the church's ministry among the Jewish people. It's the oldest mission to the Jewish people in the world, founded in 1809. And they have a, a significant presence in Israel. And 30 of their staff members got called up um, for this war that's underway. So, I mean, that doesn't directly address the question. But what it really uh, sort of brings home in a very personal way is both how volatile 
that area of the world is and always has been uh, and how dangerous it is and uh, specifically when and how Babylon might be rebuilt. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I do know, and maybe you know this as well, that Saddam Hussein, mm-hmm. when he was the dictator of Iraq, built a three-quarter size model of Babylon. And his idea was that that would become a big tourist draw for people from all over the world. Um, how that fits into the the war that is underway and the several wars since 1948, I honestly don't know. Um, I read the prophecies and I know that there are folks that that consistently will say, well, this is it right now. And yet in my life, each time somebody has said that, what has happened instead is what Jesus said, which is nobody knows, not even the Son, only the Father. And I wish I had more insight than that, but I know that if he doesn't know, I don't know. Okay. Well, George, thanks so much for that. And CJ, um, concerning Babylon, I was going to share exactly what uh, uh, George just mentioned, talking about Saddam Hussein, and it, it was really his ambition. Uh, he kind of viewed himself, I, I've, I've heard, as Nebuchadnezzar, you know, a, a, a Nebuchadnezzar reincarnated type of figure and wanted to make Babylon well, I, I hate to use this expression, but great again, um, in the sense of rebuilding it and all of that. Um, now, what's interesting is when you read Revelation uh, chapter 18, uh, you know, it speaks of a commercial Babylon there. And, uh, you know, some people have tried to say, oh, that's New York City because it's such, a, you know, a, a huge city and such an influential city as far as economy and the, and the world and such. And, and, uh, because of the, you know, the, uh, Wall Street and all this sort of thing. Um, but, you know, it could be, um, it, you know, we don't know for sure. We, we do know that what we're, what we're looking at there in Revelation 18, which will exist in the end times right before Jesus comes. Uh, is this place called Babylon, uh, which, uh, again, is a commercial center of the world. And, you know, could it very well be the city of Babylon? It it, it could. Um, but that's where we do see it mentioned again. And then we see its, its fall uh, there in Revelation 18. So that could be a possibility. Um, it's also interesting, too, uh, that in Peter's epistle, that he used the word Babylon as a code word for Rome, uh, describing, uh, Rome. He, instead of saying Rome, he used Babylon, which a lot of people believe that he was using it as a code word for Rome. So, uh, th- that's what we see in the New Testament, um, as far as Babylon's concerned. And, uh, you know, is it going to be rebuilt and, and all of that? Um, you know, as Dr. George said, we'll have to wait and just see, but uh, I don't think we'll probably be around to see that um, in the sense of, uh, you know, the timeline of things. We could, uh, but it was interesting concerning Saddam Hussein and his plans. Um, but also – I might uh-huh, – go ahead. Sorry, I was going to – I might interject something else here too, which most believers don't know about, but I think it's actually germane and interesting. 
Uh, and that is during the exile of the of Israel to Babylon. Um, mm-hmm. That was actually that exile was the origin of what today is known as the Talmud. Mm-hmm. Um, when you talk to Orthodox or religious Jews, um, you know that they study Torah. That's the first five books of the Old Testament. They also study uh, the prophets um, and the writings, but their primary emphasis is on Torah. And the initial commentaries, the rabbinic commentaries on Torah, were written during the exile in Babylon. Uh, And they were later uh, organized and printed. They were originally just oral rulings, which were repeated. That's why it's Mm -hmm. sometimes called the oral law, as opposed to the written law that's found in the commandments in, in the Torah. And in fact, it even comes forward to today. You know, Jews have a different calendar than the Gregorian calendar, which most of the Western world uses. Um, And for Jews, this is like the year 5784. It's a much longer, older calendar. But what's interesting is the names of the months in the Jewish calendar come from Babylon. And they are mostly the names of Babylonian gods that have been transformed into the names of the months. Now, we might sort of look down on that until you study the names of the months in the Gregorian calendar, and most of them are Roman gods, uh, plus a handful of others. So Babylon is important because much of the commentaries written by Jewish scholars, studied until this very day in yeshiva, began during the exile in Babylon. Okay. That's very, very interesting. Yeah. And uh, and that's why I say, you know, when you go to the end of the book of Revelation, it, it mentions it there. Uh, at least it's it's mentioned there as a, you know, the economic hub of the world and uh, a one world economic system. So uh, very interesting. It's it's Babylon is, uh, you know, a, a key player uh, all through scripture. And CJ also, too, concerning Damascus. Um, now, I don't know where things stand at right now, but I did what I did hear is I heard that, you know, if there becomes another front on the war and Hezbollah comes in from the north and starts attacking Israel, uh, I heard that Israel then was threatening uh, to actually, uh, you know, uh, uh, send uh, rockets and and missiles, I guess, into Damascus, uh, into Syria, uh, is what I had heard. So um, I'd have to go again and go to some reputable um, sources and, and you know, uh, confirm that and find out where things are at concerning that. Uh, but when I did hear that, my ears perked up uh, either because of Isaiah 17 and uh, those scriptures like that. So anyway, CJ, does that help at all? Yes, sir. That's 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 where I'm at, too. I just wanted to see what you guys are thinking on that. And I appreciate your time. You got it, my friend. Well, thank you so much. For calling, thanks for your question. If, if you would, you can hold on the line. 
and uh, the folks at CSN there have some uh, things they would like to send out to you and give to you. Well, let's go ahead and go back to the phones. We have Ivy from San Jose, California. Ivy, welcome to the program. Hi. So my question was, I was having a discussion with someone earlier, and they said repentance is based off of action, not feeling. But Mm -hmm. wouldn't feelings still be involved? Because in order to get to repentance, you had to read your Bible and then get convicted. And obviously, you're going to feel like guilt and sorrow and everything. Well, it's very interesting, Ivy, because the word for repentance there in the Greek, um, it literally means to change your mind. That's what it means. So, uh, you know, repentance is more of a mental decision. It's a deliberate mental decision that you make with information. You know, it's it's an intelligent decision you make. It's 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 not. Uh, a decision you make that is, that's based off emotions. Now, like you said, because we're humans and because we have emotions, you know, we, part of our makeup can, includes emotions. It could, but here's the thing. A, a person could repent, uh, in tears and a person could repent without tears. Uh, you know, and, and the reason I say that is because Paul talking to the Corinthians, uh, in Second Corinthians, he he brought up this whole issue that there's a difference between worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. Okay, and we'll come back to that in a moment. But Doctor George, um, I'd like to turn it over to you and uh, get your perspective on this. Well, I would add uh, to what you said that there's an important role for the Holy Spirit in mm-hmm. repentance. He is the convictor, if you would. Um, We as preachers or teachers um, can do our level best to persuade um, others about the importance of the gospel, the importance of repentance, uh, changing your mind, turning away from sin and toward God. And yet I can make the best argument ever, and there will be individuals who will have none of it, Mm -hmm. but God, that is, but if the Holy Spirit shows up, then my argument, good or weak, works because the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts the listener of the need to repent and to change and to turn away from sin and toward God. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, also what's interesting, Ivy, is Paul in the book of Romans, uh, he said that it was God who grants a person repentance. And so I totally agree with Dr. George in the, in the sense that what's going to cause that change of mind? What's going to cause that repentance? Well, it, it has to be the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, as Dr. George says, uh, you know, or, or said so well. Uh, Jesus, when he was talking about to his disciples about the ministry of the Holy Spirit uh, there in John chapter 16, he said that the Holy Spirit is sent into the world uh, to convict the world. Uh, that word convict means to also means to convince the world of sin, that we're sinners, of righteousness in other words, the right way, the, the the way to get right with God is through faith in Jesus Christ and of judgment, uh, because there's a judgment coming that we need to uh, we need to be prepared for. 
And so uh, it's interesting uh, because if man is left to himself, then he's going to continue in his darkness. He's going to continue in his sin. Um, Jesus said uh, that no one can come to him unless the Father draws him. And how he does that is through the Holy Spirit. But when that happens and there's repentance, there's a difference. According to Paul, let me give you the scripture. It's 2 Corinthians 7.10, where Paul says, for godly sorrow produces repentance. And again, that word repentance uh, means to change your mind. And, and here's what it means. It means to have a change of mind that leads to a radical change of behavior. It literally means to make a U-turn, if you want to say it that way. I'm going one direction, and then I turn and I go the opposite direction. Um, there's a there's a scripture in Isaiah chapter 55 that, to me, uh, really describes uh, what repentance is in a, in a wonderful way. Um, and he, uh, Isaiah talks about how, uh, we do, we do just that, that we, we turn from uh, our sin and we turn to God. Let me give you that scripture. That's Isaiah 55, seven. It says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man, his thoughts. Okay. And then it says, let him return to the Lord. So we turn from our sin. We turn to the Lord. It says, then he'll have mercy on him. And then turn to our God and he will abundantly pardon. So when we find true forgiveness and we find salvation and we find cleansing from our sin is when we realize that our sin has offended God. And when the Holy Spirit makes that real to us and we realize that, then what comes, uh, what should come from that then is our desire to do right instead of doing wrong. And so in that then is that decision is made to turn from my sin and to turn to God. And so that's what Paul's talking about in Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. So again, it says this, godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, but not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. So it, it you know, there, there are some people who, you know, do come under conviction to a certain degree and they may feel sorry for their sins they may be sorry, sorry that, you know, they're suffering, uh, repercussions or they're suffering, um, you know, the re, the, the results of their sin and they don't like it. So they cry over that or they feel sorry because of that. Or maybe, maybe they got caught in their sin and now they seem repentant, but all it is is, is, is the sorrow of the world. They're, they're basically just sorry and not repentance. There's a difference between just being sorry. And actually repenting. Okay. And so that's what Paul's talking about. There's a difference there. For instance, let me give you this example. Um, in the gospels, we see Peter. Peter denied the Lord Jesus three times, but how did he respond? Uh, Peter was heartbroken, uh, when, when he realized and he, and he heard the cock crow for the last time and, and he realized what he did and he was in such anguish of soul. And if you remember, you know, Jesus came to him and he restored him uh, there after his resurrection. Uh, but what we see is Peter went on to be filled with the Holy Spirit and mightily used of the Lord and, and wrote a couple books in the New Testament. But you also had of the same group of disciples, you had Judas, who also betrayed the Lord. He also, uh, you know, betrayed our Lord in the sense of, you know, gave him over uh to the to the Jewish leaders but 
when he realized what he did wrong, he didn't repent with this godly sorrow. He went out and hung himself. He, he saw no hope. He was, he was sorry because of what he had done and the results that, that, that produced in his life. And it drove him, uh, to commit suicide. So there's a perfect example of a person who, you know, is, is repentant and then a person who is full of worldly sorrow. Um, so there, there's a big difference between the two. So let me say it this way again, as I said before, um, it's possible to, to repent and to be honest and to be true and genuine in your repentance and never shed a tear. But it's also possible to shed all kinds of tears and not be true in your repentance. So how do we know if somebody's true in their repentance? We see how they live after they say, you know, they, that they believe in the Lord or they've confessed and repented of their sins and, and have changed their mind. Uh, because that's what the word for repentance in the New Testament literally means. It means to make a change of mind that leads to a radical change of behavior. So Ivy, does that help? Yeah, that helped you. Thank you so much. You got it. Well, thank you so much for the call. And if you would, just wait on the line there. And we have some gifts we'd like to give to you. And we have Sandy from Fort Worth, Texas. Sandy, thank you for calling in today. How can we help? Hi, Hi Pastor Steve, Dr. George. Um, thank you for taking my call. Last night in Bible study, we were or a home fellowship. We were studying spiritual warfare, overcoming the enemy. And in Job 1, verse 6, and also in Job 2, verse 1, it says, Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. We were discussing, are the demons or the fallen angels, are they accountable? I mean, are their actions, do they have to report to the Lord? Does he keep track of everything that they're doing? Well, that's a great question. And, uh, since I talked so much on the last one, Dr. George, I'm going to give this over to you and let you, let you begin answering this question. Then I'll chime in later. Oh, gee. Um, <laughs> what's interesting, uh, in the book of Job, uh, is that the enemy, uh, Satan, if you would, in Hebrew, uh, is not nor the other angels, the the enemy, are not characterized quite as they are in the New Testament. And and let me let me tell you what the Hebrew view of Satan in the Old Testament is. This is an adversary who, of his own free will, uh, harasses and tests men and women. And he is absolutely under the power and authority of God, as are any of the angels that Jesus saw swept from heaven. Um, and and the belief is that that they are without question under God's authority even though they disobey, that God could put an end to their existence in a moment if he chose to, but rather that he permits their activity. 
because God is seen as all-powerful and all-knowing that everything is under his authority, but he permits, or said differently, he gives freedom of will both to the angels and to us. Remember, Satan is just another angel. Uh, He was a a leader of worship, but just another created being. So God gives free will to us and to other, uh, oh, let's say, portions of creation that are not like us. But we interact with them, and those who have chosen against God, which we do often also, I might note, um, are free to act and to harass. We are free to submit or resist, to to agree or to pray against their actions. But ultimately, all of them and we are under God's authority. It's just that he gives free will to all of the creation. Does that help? Okay. Yeah. And and also, um, let me give you another scripture here, Sandy. Um, also, in Luke chapter 22, um, there's a scripture that's very interesting, and this is where uh, Jesus is actually telling Peter uh, that Peter is going to deny him, and he's going to deny him three times. And here, here's what he said. It, he said to to Peter, he said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. And there where it says asked for you, uh, the New American Standard Version says he's requested permission. And so what you see there in Job chapter one and two with the sons of God, uh, who, who appear in that, in that particular scripture to be angelic beings and Satan coming before the Lord to give an account. And that's what they're doing. Satan is giving an account of what he's doing on the earth. And so from that scripture and then others in the New Testament, like this one, it appears that, you know, Satan has to report what he does. And literally has to get permission before he can do anything directly to a believer. And so, you know, I, I and I, I find that really, really encouraging, uh, because that shows me that our God is sovereign. And though the devil has fallen and he hates us, God is still in control. He loves us. And because of that, God is greater than the devil, and we're going to win. So we don't need to be discouraged. So, Sandy, we hope that helps. Thanks for calling. Dr. George, thanks for joining us today. I'm happy to have been able. Are we done? Yes, and God bless you all, and thanks for tuning in today. We'll be back with you tomorrow for more To Every Man and Answer. God bless and good evening. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A.
To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 